Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm not a crusty crab. Ah, uh, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Hard Rock Lunchbox and, of course, the Top 20. If you're watching here on Stranger Than TV, I'm your host. My name is DJ. I host the Top 20 and uh, the Hard Rock Lunchbox. Not because I want to, but because, honestly, what else am I going to be doing at this time of the day? Talking to uh, Jimmy G, owner of Strangerhood TV, just the other day, uh, telling tells tells me that the Top Twenty is a very successful show on Strangerhood TV, and all I could think of was like, oh, that's too bad for Strangerhood TV. <laughs> but I do want to appreciate everybody that takes the time to watch and comment and listen and stuff like that. I realize a lot of people uh, will watch the Top Twenty because they missed it live, and honestly, that's the best reason to do it. But I really do appreciate people stopping by, at least giving it a view. And a like, because we are trying to do something here. We are trying to build some semblance of community, uh, something that just doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem to want to exist, no matter how hard we try. Like, you know, like as much as I want to have like a flat stomach, and it really just doesn't want to be that. That's what it's starting to feel like. The community is, is like my elusive flat Trying to get a handle on this beard thing here. He also said, I should actually literally try a man. Like, he, he literally was like, you should try Manscaped, man. And I'm like, isn't that a sponsor of your show? <laughs> and he was like, no, it actually really works. So I just want to tell the people, the good people over at Manscaped is not only is, is Jimmy and Mike shilling that stuff over at Bacon is my podcast, but like in actual life, like physical face-to-face life, Jimmy's like, yo, man, wouldn't Manscaped be good right now? And it's like, oh, man, I guess it will. Stop, check it out. I'm not putting that thing anywhere near my balls again, though. But I will look into the beard trimmer. I just, you know what it is? I just, <coughs> excuse me, I almost died on air. Boy, I bet you that would get five views, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, did you see that guy die on air? Nah. <laughs> I was watching Daily Show reruns. Um, uh... Wouldn't it be great if I, like, not die, but, like, if I just, like, just put my head down and went to sleep? <laughs> the top 20 has its highest rated show ever. Like, <laughs> 17 million views. All right, I'll take it. How do you prepare for the top Well... What I like to do is I start out by, like, not sleeping well, and then I usually wake up in the 1 o'clock hour for no reason whatsoever. Then, is it ever too good? Is it ever too early for a good piss in the middle of the night? Of course not. <laughs> I'm so tired. I literally was trying to say something in a sentence. My body tried to kill me. Banana guacamole. I don't remember anything I was going to say. Like, it's amazing. Like, one near-death experience. All of a sudden, nothing that's happening on the top 20 matters. <laughs> anyway, I think I was talking about uh, Mansky. 
uh, and like the beer trimmer. So the problem I have with the beer thing, like I'm going to just take a few minutes of your time. Don't worry. I'm going to take lots of minutes of your time later too. But right now I'm just going to take a couple minutes of your time. Uh, so the thing with the beard, like I, I'm digging it because what it is doing for me on uh, like an etherical level <laughs> is hiding a lot of flaws. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it not only is it hiding some flaws, but it's also adding, like, a little dash of wisdom. Now, I'm smarter than your average bear, and I could probably steal a picnic basket if I needed to. And yes, I did say picnic basket, because the correct pronunciation for any bear in Jellystone Park currently. Uh, but I feel that as long as I start doing this... And we talked about this. We talked about Sigmund Freud and like how, like, I feel like it makes you uh, appear smarter. Like you're actually contemplating something. And I could say outlandish stuff like, well, all of our conspiracy theories were proved correctly and do that. And it looks a little truer. It's not. I mean, conspiracy theories, like some parts of them, like are always rooted in some sort of truth. Except, of course, the flat earth, which is ridiculous <laughs> but uh, the best part about conspiracy theorists is as soon as one conspiracy theory has some traction their immediate go to is like well what else is I right about like you weren't even right about that thing that you just said you were right about so how about you just settle down like I saw a post from like pretty big deal kind of artist talking about how they were right about masks I've got news for you pal or whatever you are now you weren't Masks are always useful in social uh, pandemic sort of situations. Can COVID get through masks? Absolutely. Do you know why it can get through masks? Most people don't wear them properly or wear the right ones. The rednecks that were walking around with old underwear over their forehead super ineffective at blocking COVID. But, you know, the, the thing that kind of came anecdotally out of the 2020 lockdowns and the mask wearing and all that other stuff was the simple fact that, like, people barely got the colds and flu. I wonder why that was. If there was something you were wearing over your face and mask, it could have prevented you from getting colds and flus. It was a mask. Also, you can't tell anybody that ever got COVID and shook it off in two days that vaccines didn't work. Your conspiracy theories are ridiculous. And what you're jumping on is the bandwagon of experiential data and more information. And, of course, there's always going to be outliers. Does the, did the vaccine save everybody? Of course not. Do all, do vaccines, do all vaccines save everybody? Nope. Was there a nat and I saw in the same post, like, yeah, we were right about natural immunity. We were all right about natural immunity. What we didn't want to do is kill off half of America to get there. Like, And now, listen, if you want to talk about where I was wrong as it pertains to COVID, it's there. Like, we really should have killed off. Like, just let, you know, like, in, the, in just like Chris Porter says, like, you know, I'm not saying we should hunt the stupid, but we should absolutely let them kill themselves. And I think but I did not come here to start an issue with that. I came here to talk about stuff on the top 20, and I'm also not going to do that because I'm going to take a couple minutes to talk about the beard. So here's what's going on with the beard in uh, this week's beard update. Wait. That's kind of appropriate. Uh, the thing that's going on with the beard this week is this thing that's been going on with the beard for the past several weeks, right? Like, it's, So it's hiding a lot of flaws, so I like it. So I think it's going to be a keeper. I may change my mind come June, July, and August. I don't know yet, but I'm digging it. I'm not so much liking when my beard-mustache combination has hairs that go in my mouth because it constantly feels like hairs from my head are in my mouth, and I've been spending 
many decades pulling hair out of my mouth from the back of my head. So I don't like that. Uh, but I also don't like the sides. The sides tend to vary like, like they almost pube up. So I don't like that. So I've been shaving them down. So basically what I'm doing is shaving this down, shaving the undercarriage down. And now I just got this big giant mess in front. So I keep trying to trim it. And I realize that like I have a better shot. <clears throat> no, actually, um, Marty McFly has a better shot of trimming this beer. Uh, um, Mike, Michael, what the hell is that dude's name? Who played Marty McFly? Chat, where are you? Anybody? can't remember his name. Um, not Jason Bateman. That's the other guy. Uh, I'm totally drawing a blank. Anybody? Chat, leave me to hang. Look at them. Look at them. Anyway, uh, that guy, the guy that played Marty McFly, uh, he would be better at cutting. This would have been a lot funny if I remembered his name. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. If he was trimming my beard, he'd have a better shot of getting even. I tried it last night, and I just I just cut like a big chunk out of this side, and then like not such a big chunk out of that side. And I'm like, I'm just gonna put this down. Stop doing it. So I just got to figure out what I'm doing. So Manscaped, maybe, maybe if you're listening, maybe you can help me out. Uh, probably not. So I'm probably gonna hop up on the website uh, this weekend and uh, take a look and see if there's something worth getting. Because if I could just get, like, if I could just George Jetson my way through this beard, I'd be all set. But I also haven't made any decisions on what I want. All I do know for sure is I don't want a douche beard. And I'm not entirely sure what that means. But much like pornography in the Supreme Court, I'll know it when I see it. So I don't want one of those. Yes, clearly there's a delay in the chat. Sorry. Sorry, chat. I'll figure it out. Bill is offering up some information. Bill has some manscaping expertise. We might have to have Bill on, and we'll discuss manscaping. Uh, and I don't know. There was more to it than that. Anyway, let's um, let's get to uh, like light housekeeping, shall we? Like we could do this. So the brand new top twenty is out. Brand new, I mean, a week old. But like, is it? You know, keep it in the freezer. It'll last like a week or two at least. Um, so it's from February 23rd, uh, the last February 23rd in February. Uh, and it's DJ versus the America's Super Sub Genius. And, of course, we're talking about Marjorie Taylor Green, Taylor Green, Marjorie Green, the giant pain in the ass from, from Georgia, who, like, is so Georgia, like, she's almost Florida. Uh, who talk about the, the master switch over here, which is no joke. The two-track A switch on the Samsung control room, like... You don't know what you're doing. You just don't know what you're doing. Uh, also on the show, we talk about uh, getting a teenage dishwasher in here. I will, I'm happy to report that the new dishwasher is doing great, although it's leaning a bit forward, so I actually have to raise the feet and pull it forward. I think it's not the right one for our kitchen, but I think we'll figure it out. I don't want anybody to worry about it at all in case that was going on out in the world. Uh, kidney stones. I finally got my, uh, my test, my x-ray. Uh, and my CAT scan. I actually, the CAT scan was super easy. The, the x-ray was great, though. Um, the x-ray tech I had, like, she just, like, big shout-out to, like, Ashley at Swanger Basiri, x-ray technician, because she was just having a great time. It was Friday afternoon. She was, like, I don't know if she loves her job or just loves her life, but she was just having a great time. We were sort of talking about, like, what it was in there for, and I was telling her about uh, you know the ki- the reason I need the X-ray is because I have innumerable ki- uh, kidneys, which means you cannot number them uh, from the sonogram, which is why they wanted an X-ray so they could actually basically count them. And she's like, "Oh, okay." Uh, she's like, "Do you have any history of surgery?" And I told them that they had cleaned out my entire left kidney. So she X-rays my left kidney, and from the actual control room, I hear, 
Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she had seen my innumerable kittens. We had a good laugh about that. She also advised that maybe I should not stress so much and maybe it wouldn't be a problem. And I think that's a great idea that I've never heard before, Ashley. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She did a great thing. So that's out. Um, last Friday, they have these seven questions uh, with and the new interview uh, with Alex Miller from the band Vatica. I was checking out some of that. Um, Jimmy actually had read one of the comments I had posted about the uh, masculine and feminine um you know what we were just talking about like why you know it it was not cool when we were in school it was not cool to like pop bands because the masculine i was saying that the masculine which is basically what dominated junior high school for me the masculine deemed it as something less than masculine to like you know like a pop artist or a dance artist or whatever and i was saying that they had they had pondered whether or not it it, it affected women the same way in high school and junior high yeah i was saying it didn't because women just needed to be like it was more important for women to be good looking and hot and it was more important for for men to be masculine and cool and uh, what alex from Vatica was was saying is that like since then like that was that was a big definition kind of coming out of World War II. And if you want to see what I had to say about that, just check the comments on the Bacon's My Podcast video with Alex from Vatica because I did have like an addendum to add to that. Uh, but I thought it was an inter- interesting discussion. And as somebody that's steeped but ancillarily in the um, kind of like the gender role discussion, mainly because of my oldest, who uh, as far as I can tell, runs Disc New York (laughs) and the Ultimate Frisbee community is one of the biggest embracers of not only the trans community but like the gender discussion Uh, and so it's been a it's been an often and early conversation in in my family about like how these things are you know how these terms are being uh, how they're evolving and how the situation's evolving so I always find this this subject interesting but uh, check that out uh, they have uh, c- cooking disasters is out. Discussion and drinks uh, that was last night. I did not get a chance to see that. Uh, programming note: They are going to be on Twitch t- uh, tonight, and they're going to be on with uh, producer extraordinaire David Caggiano. Uh, feel free to check that out. I have no idea what to expect. I'll also be at rehearsal, so I'm not going to be expecting much in terms of what I get to see. But check it out. We can talk about it on the show if you want, and then blah blah, blah all kinds of other stuff. Mikey's got uh, singing. He sings the lines. I did not get a chance to check that out it's another spinoff of making is my passion singing is my passion and all that uh also news rebel nine has a show tomorrow night we're going to talk about that during the show because i have some thoughts about like why uh ticket sales are so low and honestly i'm getting to the point now where if i didn't have to go i don't even know that i would go so <laughs> i totally understand where everybody's at um Plus, I have shows coming up. You can't see them here because I'm waving this too fast. But I'm going to save that for another time to talk about that. Because uh, what I do want to talk about is is something that came up on another Bacon is My Podcast episode. By the way, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I am totally loving the Discussions and Drinks uh, episodes. Uh, it just, it's, it's why I like Mikey and Jimmy. So I guess it makes sense to want to hear those discussions because those are the discussions that I have with them. So I'm really enjoying them. I'm glad that they brought them back. Uh, and if I'm the only one that likes them, then, you know, that's awesome. But I will tell other people, like, you should watch those, too, because I, I find them interesting. I was uh, I was telling Jimmy that it was funny because they were talking about, they were doing, like, a Poddex episode, and it morphed its way into, like, the local music and, like, how bands treat each other and, you know, 
how businesses treat bands and all that other stuff. And I was I was listening on the way home from rehearsal, and I'm actually talking out loud to a YouTube video. And then finally, when I stopped to get gas, I was actually like posting a comment, you know, because I wanted to just weigh in on the conversation. It is the downside of them having a non-live show, but you know, I can interact on YouTube, and I encourage you to do the same. Uh, conversations there, are, you know, pretty good. So. Have at it. Leave comments. Uh, but what, one of the things that they were talking about, and it's something that's very dear to my heart, something I have been talking about for ages, um, two things actually. One is the quality control aspect that Mikey had brought up about about bands, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the other is about um, what, Mike, uh, what Jimmy was talking about, which is about how some of these venues, they really don't want to put their money on, on original music anymore. And I don't blame them at all. And there's reasons for that. But I'm seeing it everywhere. It's not just Long Island. It's it's certainly regional. I don't know about the Midwest because I don't have any contacts or feelers out there anymore. They've long since dried up. But regionally, at least, I know that like even our beloved Jer- Jersey Shore Festival does not appear to be happening again. Uh, and probably won't, actually, at this point since it's been so long. Because those venues do not want to take a chance on original music because people are not supporting original music. And I understand that. I completely understand that. In fact, I I think over the coming weeks and months, I'm going to try and like really open a dialogue uh, about what's involved and what's actually going on. And I want I'm gonna I'm going to get input from from people in kind of in the know. And we're just going to have this discussion because I think it needs to be had again. I was part of something a few years ago. It's like the local musician forum or whatever. Uh, and I went, and it was just an unbelievable waste of time. It should surprise nobody what a waste of time it was. Um, but it was funny to hear cover and tribute bands talk about, like, how fine the scene is and that, you know, like, original bands kind of need to work a little harder, which just always makes me laugh, like, actually out loud. Like, and I've said this, and I've said it for years, and I've gotten in trouble for saying it, and I just don't even, I don't, I didn't care then, and I don't care now. Like, I really want people to understand that with the exception of really really well-rehearsed tribute bands. I mean, the best tribute bands. With the exception of them, I can do absolutely anything a cover band does tomorrow. No effort, like a minimal effort, because I'd have to learn songs that somebody else wrote and then perform them, which I've been doing for years. It's super, super easy. And, you know, how many times have you seen cover bands with, like, their lyrics up on an iPod or whatever, or iPad or whatever? So they, like, it's... It's no challenge, and I and I really do like get quite turned off by the fact that cover bands still like every now and then they start like pretending how great they are. Like, no, you're not, dude. You really aren't. Especially considering the bar is, you know, recorded material that's freely available on Spotify or a CD. If you're an old person, like you're not going to beat that. You just aren't. And you are never going to be as cool as the band that originally covered it. Now you can make exceptions for like different incarnations of the band Fuel. Right. Okay. That's that's fair. Like, go ahead. Like, is that even a cover? Like, I don't even know. Like, but like, if you're just like some band playing music from the '80s or playing from the '90s or the 2000s or whatever, like, yeah, man. Like, we were talking about like an Alice in Chains cover band, like, which is great because I love Alice in Chains, but like, 99% of the work has already been done because Alice in Chains is a stupendous band that actually did all the work for you. Like, there, there's no. There's no hidden secret, like, as to why we throw covers in our set sometimes. Although I will say lately I'm getting more and more obscure with them because I really want them to be fun and really want them to be like, oh, my God, I haven't heard that. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing that, as opposed to just playing, like, what's hot on the radio right now. Like, 
honestly, anybody can do that. And if you're actually super talented at like lip syncing and miming like Millie Vanilli was, you can just play tracks and just play like that. I mean, so many bands are playing with tracks these days anyway. It's just, you know, I don't even know that you would notice. But people taking credit for like how crowded their rooms are or how crowded the, the, the businesses are, like, that has nothing to do with you or your talent, I assure you. And I don't mean to be mean. It just has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the people that are coming to see you. And the reason that people come to see you is people, especially here, especially older people, especially now in the political and social landscape that we're feeling, are hearkening back for a day when things were better. I've said it a hundred times on this show. If you are stuck because your best days of your life was your senior or junior year in high school or your second year of college where you finally found yourself or became like liberated somehow, like... That's great. I'm super happy for you. But it doesn't mean that everything about that time was great. Like, it really doesn't. Like, the fact that you will not evolve musically, artistically, or socially says so much about the person you aren't. And that is really, really important for people to understand because in Long on Long Island here, what we've got left is a lot of people that are doing exactly that. And it's sad. And it really is sad. But doesn't fault the music owners and it doesn't fault the bands that are are, are placating them and providing this service. I said, I've said it a hundred thousand times, maybe a hundred times. If, you know, you put up a roast beef hero shop and, you know, lots of people are coming to that, but then right next door you put up, like, let's say a spam shop and lots of people like spam more than roast beef, well, people are going to go to the spam place and the roast beef is eventually going to close down. And that's understandable. But you know what else will make that analogy even more representative of Long Island? Take the roast beef sandwich shop and make it the worst roast beef you possibly can. Just skip on everything. Maybe it's not even beef. Like, it's just garbage. Like, something you just threw together because you don't have any pride or care in what you're doing. And then you'll start to see, like, kind of what's going on here on Long Island. And that brings me to the quality control so venue owners are not willing necessarily to take a chance on original music because, let's face it, most original local music is garbage. And I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, just saying what it is. Do some people like it? Will your girlfriend like it? Will your mom like it? Probably. I mean, because they like you, so they'll like anything that you do. The real switch comes when you appeal to people that have no idea who you are or your, what your story is or anything like that. When you start doing that, then you become like a real effective kind of musician, a real asset to your local scene. I would run out of fingers trying to name the talented local bands around here. But I would run out of fingers if I invited 400 friends over or if I tried to go over all the bands that are just hot garbage around here. Because there are. There's a ton of them. Long Island specifically and New York City in general, like, there's a lot of really dated music. There's a lot of really not well-performed music. There's a lot, a lot of poorly recorded music. There's even more poorly written music. And there's badly produced music. I mean, like, dude... That is why, like, when a band puts out something even somewhat decent, people are like, wow, it's a really good song. Like, there should be no reason when I release a song that people are like, wow, that's really good. You're almost like a real band. And the only reason that people think that, like, you're almost like a real band, is because we're a local original band. And it is so unusual for a local original band to put out something that's really good uh, as per the national media. Like, 
The whole point of this stupid show was to actually highlight bands that were so good locally that I could play them right along with national bands. And not only would you not notice the difference, but you wouldn't necessarily know who the bigger bands were. And I used to do that all the time. I can't do that anymore. There just aren't enough good bands putting out enough good material. Like, yeah, there's some, and I play them here. But, like, there are some bands that are just mediocre at best, and I'll play them here, too, mainly because I want to give them a shot, especially if they're young and, like, kind of, you know, kind of coming up and learning. Like, your first demo should be shit. Like, that's... I feel like we can all agree. Like, if your first demo, like, you know, you listen to, like, Kill Em All from Metallica, like, sonically... Not a very good record, but energetically and songwriting-wise, like, I'll take Whiplash any day of the week, my dude. <laughs> so, like, we have a problem, right? Because we have a substandard product that we're trying to sell, and ven venue owners are like, I can't sell that to people that want to hear Stone Temple Pilots or Alice in Chains or anything from the 90s, like Soundgarden and Linkin Park, like... Do you have any idea how hard it is to compete with a band like Linkin Park? Yeah, it's next to impossible, which is why they're one of the best bands ever. It doesn't mean that all the other bands are shit. They just happen to be one of the better bands ever. So if you're a cover band covering that and you're playing to an audience of 50 people that just can't get enough of hybrid theory, even though it's been 500 years since it came out, man, it's... It's a no-brainer which way to go, right? Like, you need to pack your club and your venue, and you want them to come in, you want them to order drinks, and you're going to upsell the drinks by an extra couple bucks. Like, dude, I totally get it. The only downside to that is you're not really building on anything. Like, those people that you're playing for are going to die. They're going to die out, and they're going to stop going to clubs. That's why the younger, like, East Coast, Collect East Coast Collective bands are kind of doing okay. Because young people are still going to see that. But by young people, I mean people that can afford to live here. And by young people that can afford to live here, I mean people living in their parents' house. They're going to move out eventually, and it's not going to be here. So what are you going to do? You're going to close, you're going to end up closing your doors because you didn't cultivate any more people coming in. Now, what you could do, and what I've been advocating for years, is have some quality control at your venue. Make sure, like when I was coming, like when I was a young teenager, you could just go to, you know, like Hammerheads or Februarys or Sundance. Well, Sundance was closed already, but like that kind of stuff, and just know there was going to be good music because they only booked good bands. And yes, music is subjective, and we can keep talking about that for sure. But like, there's objectively some bands that just aren't good. They're not prepared. They don't promote. They're not interested in doing the show. They're just doing it because they can. And that's not necessarily a reason to have a band on. You want somebody that inspires you or electrifies somebody, not just their five best friends. And that's how you kill a music scene, by constantly pumping in garbage. People are just not going to be able to. And honestly, people are too lazy to sift the good stuff out of that garbage. I know I am. Like, I keep trying to find good local bands. I can put calls out all the time. They just aren't out there. They're just, they're, they're just not. Very few bands are putting out any good material anymore, and I don't know what the reason is. Like, I, I would be embarrassed to put out some of the music that I've been getting over the past, say, two years. I'd be embarrassed. And, and wouldn't. Like, at this point, my demos, like, my rough first idea demos are better than a lot of the recordings I'm getting. And that's not just me saying it. Like, you can hear it. It's objectively true. And I don't know why that is. But I wish it would stop because it's ruining everything. So you 
have bands that are just putting shit up against the wall day after day. Venue owners that just can't put people in clubs because the music that they're putting on is based on the number of friends that they have and not necessarily the music that they have. So people that are there are just walking out if they're not friends with the bands instead of cultivating something bigger. Like whenever we build like a sandbox show and people come at 7.30 and they stay till 2 in the morning because they at least like one song from every single band on the bill because they're all talented bands. Like... I'm not saying that's the only way to do it. I'm saying it is a way to do it. And I'm also saying that I don't see anybody else doing that. No venues are doing that anymore. Like, it's just bananas and ridiculous that, like, nobody can see any of the big picture of what's going on here. Like, somebody needs to sort of step up, stand up, and start running these things. Have a club that only has shows on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Friday and Saturday are your best bands. Thursdays are the bands that, like, let's give you a shot and see if you suck. If you suck, don't bother coming back Friday and Saturday. But if you want to be part of this this scene that we're doing, like, let's see your ass down here once in a while. Like, let's check out the other bands. And other bands will know that this is where the best bands in the region are going to be playing. So that's where they're going to go and spend their time to see what other bands are doing. Like, this is not rocket science. And I know that because I'm not a rocket scientist. I am somebody that apparently has absolutely no sense of time. So I'm going to shut up now because it's now officially the top 30. And I apologize for that. I apologize the best way I know how. How about a little day to remember? They were a local band once, and they were awesome at it. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box. <laughs> I'm still laughing because Q has pointed out in the chat. <laughs> Just give him the boom already. And I'm like, yeah, man, how many times does he have to ask for that? Like, if you asked to, like, for somebody to pass the salt as many times as he asked you to give me the boom, like, I think you'd be pissed, right? Like, I, I know I would. Astute as always, my dude. Thank you. Like, just give him the boom. <laughs> that song would have been a lot quicker, right? It could have been like, just give me that boom. Here you go. Thanks, man. <laughs> like, that could have been it. Like, hey, man, do you need anything? And you need anything else with that? Just give me that boom. Yeah. So, all right. Here you go, man. Thank you so much. Then it'd be like, hey, do you need anything else with that? And then, it's always a no. Yeah. <laughs> See, we could solve our own problems here all day long. Right, no cues right. Well, no wonder he's yelling. How many times has this, has this dude asked for said boom and just not getting it? Like, it's really, honestly, it's really rude at this point that he still hasn't gotten it. Like, oh, man. You ever laugh so hard that your head starts to hurt? Like, I just got a little woozy from that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yes, Bill points out that, like, he hurt ears, bookers, and promoters talking about how good original music is. And they still won't book it. Um, that is true. Uh, you know that that's definitely true. A lot of it is for the same reason um, that I was saying earlier. Like I know that there's a lot of places, a lot of venues that are like, oh man, you guys are really, really good, but their clientele are not necessarily interested in music that they can't sing along with, and that's an understandable concern. It's also why. Um, we don't play like like the Beach Hut anymore. Like we don't do that kind of stuff. I will tell you, and I don't honestly know who remembers this because it was such a long time ago. It was such a long time ago. I was still in I was still in G. Davy. Um, what had happened is I guess it was like Heineken. Heineken had worked with was WMJC. It's whatever the Shark is now, and their promotion department Heineken sponsored a local, um, like just a local summer event. And, 
trying to remember like some of the other bands that played this. And it was a mixture of like full band and acoustic performances. Uh, and these bands got hired to play like Napper Tandies, a couple of the Beach Hut, Whale's Tale, uh, Claudia's out in Greenport and stuff like that. And we, and, and the, the dude that was responsible for it, whose name I cannot remember, definitely had to be like MJC. And he was a huge, huge fan of local original music. And what he did is he funneled all that money into original bands that could do a 50-50 split, that could do half covers and half originals. So, like, whenever you hear me talk about, like, oh, I covered that song, it was probably in that summer. And I will say, like, we had a lot of fun doing that because we were covering... I mean, we were covering Me and Julio down by the schoolyard, which is a lot of fun. Like, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Like, we had a lot of fun doing that stuff. And I remember that same, like, kind of music, uh, you know, conference or summit that I was talking about for local music. Um, was it... I'm trying to remember if it, was, if it was Randy Jackson. I think it was Randy Jackson. And I think it was there. I'm not entirely sure. Sorry, my memory is just going. But I know that Zebra, the way they used to do things is that they would play half covers and half originals because the covers would really sell. Like, they were, they were doing Zeppelin covers and, like, American covers, you know, that kind of stuff. And people wanted to hear that, and then they would just, like, kind of put in some other songs. Now, we had considered doing that um, early Rebel Nine Days. We would considered doing a 50-50 show. But at the time, nobody wanted to hear us do covers all the time. They wanted, actually, people were paying us money to come see us. They're like, I want to hear the songs that I want to hear. And it's funny, too, because, like, we still have that. And it's a great space to be in as a band. People are like, oh, man, you didn't play the song I wanted to hear tonight. And we'd be like, well, what song is it? Like, maybe I can get it into the next set. Like, that happens more often than, A, you would think, and, B, it should. Because it's just, people like, it's so great when people don't, like, yeah, and I've told this story before. Carly, uh, who I adore from the Midnight Mob, bass player from Midnight Mob. We were playing the Jersey Shore Fest. We were closing, I think, at the Aztec. And we had opened with San Jose, but they were playing somewhere else. So her and Mickey came by after their set to come see us finish. And San Jose was Carly's favorite song. And we had opened with it, so they missed it. But we were, you know, this is our last song of night. And she's like, it better be San Jose, DJ. And I was like, like... I'm not generally afraid of women under four feet tall, but, like, you know, Carly and I go back a ways, so I, like, took it under advisement and for the first time ever played a song twice in set, mainly for my own safety concerns and of those of the band, and that was fun. But it's also a great story, which is probably why I really did it. <laughs> but anyway, so plenty more to talk about on this on this topic. I got an email yesterday saying that Deftones are going to be playing in New York City tonight, and that was it. No other information whatsoever, just a one-off, probably a private party, have no idea. Uh, they did not invite me, unsurprisingly, but that's okay. I'll still support. Hard Rock Lunch Box. <laughs> I, I'd have to think about this next statement, but I'm pretty sure... No other live record influenced my decision to do the Razorblade Diaries more than Judas Priest Live. I mean, I love live records, like All the World's a Stage, Exit Stage Left, for sure, uh, Song Remains the Same. Uh, like, all these classic live records, like I just, uh, even Aerosmith's Bootleg, like, 
But 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 Judas Priest specifically, when they played live, there was something so much more energetic about the songs. Not only did they play faster, but they clearly were tighter on songs than when they had recorded them and stuff like that. I just thought the main reason I wanted to redo the diaries was basically because the band plays them so much better and it had evolved over 10 years uh, what the, what they had done differently. It's actually one of my... Not that I want to complain about it, but it's like when, when uh, Thrice released Artist in the Ambulance and they kind of like recut everything. Like, it's interesting enough, but like... I would have preferred an, I would have preferred a live record, and that's that's me, and that's evidenced by the fact that I did prefer a live record. And for those of you wondering, like why things are taking so long, like we're all set to mix and master the the the, the Raceway Diaries live. That's going to happen. We're going to shoot a video, or we have we have shot for the video for another mistake, and we're going to be releasing that. We're literally just trying to get through the rest of the recording of the new material that we're doing, and then the very next project is uh, Cacciano, who you can see tonight on uh, Strangerhood TV. Twitter. Which channel, whatever that, uh, whatever, wherever that is, uh, is going to be uh, mixing and mastering the live record for us. So don't worry, that's coming, and that'll be fun. I, I know I'm, it's going to be fun for me. So last week, as we were done with the show, like later on in the day, my buddy Q, who you might know from the chat and from the Jersey music scene, said, yo, man, I just heard this band on, I think it was, I forget what station he even heard it on, but the band was called Yannicka. So I was like, all right, I'm going to check it out like immediately. And he sent me a song called Panic that is hella, hella good. But whenever I see a band or I get referred to a band that like I like the first song, I naturally go through their top 10 songs and kind of see what else is out there. And as much as I liked Panic and respect your opinion, Q, I've got to go with the song Click because I think it's badass and I think it's going to be 50-50 with the audience, but I own the radio show. So I'm going to vote an extra four times in favor of it, and then I'll just play you Panic next week. But right now, brand new to the box, a band called Yannicka, I assume. The song's called Click, and it's badass. Hard Rock Lunch box. Yeah, man, I'm playing that other song from 311. Uh, speaking of playing other songs, I really, really <laughs> was totally down for playing Omens from Lamb of God. I am so digging that song, but I was like, there has got to be another song in here I like from them, like that's kind of recent. And I'm happy to say they did a, <clears throat> I guess, a crossover. Is it a crossover duet? Can it be a duet if it's two metal bands? Like, I don't even know, like, what to call. Like, a, a, it's a collaboration. A collaboration. Lamb of God and Creator. And they put out State of Unrest, which meant it's not Omens. But, uh, yeah, I'll listen to it. It's a little bit of, like, your uh, your your 1 o'clock metal shot. Why don't we, uh, yeah, well, it's a new segment on the box. 1 o'clock metal shot. Yeah. Fingers, horns, ah. Only on the box. That's pretty good. Not great, but whatever. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Uh, now, speaking of original music bands, they're not local to us. I believe uh, Marwood's Falls from the Chicago area, but they consistently put out good stuff. And truth be told, I was hoping that this was going to be one of their heavier songs. So I used to love some of their heavier songs. But this one, I really dig it. It's brand new Marwood's Fall. It's called Fault Lines. You can get it on Spotify and everywhere else you get music. And, uh... On the box. I used to be the one to light the fire that burned behind your eyes. 
Time has a funny way of turning eager flames back into cold
seahorses, and I love looking at them, and I love Fox. Fox. I love Fox. Fox. And things. I love things with Fox. Fox. And seahorses on them, like blankets, and towels, and little bags. I love them. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Fox. Forever. Alright, time for some real talk here on the Hard Rock Lunch Box. I know I've been plugging it for probably two months at this point, but we have a show tomorrow night at uh, Patchogs 89 North, it's, uh, 89 North Ocean Avenue, super easy to remember, out in Patchogs. And there are very definite reasons that we took this show, very specific reasons that we took this show. But um, because of the way it's looking, uh, because of the way ticket sales have been going, and because of the way the bill has been built, uh, it just it it sort of begs the question: like, what are we doing, and why? So I'd like to introduce you to the Hard Rock's new new <laughs> new weekly segment. What are we doing, and why? <laughs> Only. Only on the hard rock so, so basically, it's this. Um, so, okay. So, like I said, we took the show for some very specific reasons that actually aren't all that important. What's more telling is we have we have four kinds of shows that we take. I guess, for lack of for lack of a better word, right? So, there's like the special, like this popped up this happened this occasional show like so we do that that's like when we play like the fall festival or you know something out like in deep pennsylvania or i would consider that any tour options or you know going to south by southwest if we were to play like so what festival or blue ridge or something like that like that's fourth like those are the most desirable ones in my opinion and those only come up when the opportunity arises um the other kind of show we play is your standard regional show to try and stay like fresh outside, uh, you know, of our own hometown. Those are getting harder and harder because a lot of the venues we used to play with aren't there anymore. In fact, I was even just messaging with a friend of mine from Pennsylvania who used to book us there all the time. I'm like, I'd love to do something with you this summer. He's like, Yeah, find me a venue and we'll definitely set it up. And I'm like, Yeah, man, that's literally why I was messaging you because you're from there. So that's kind of that. Um, the main thing that we do shows at this point in my career, at least, certainly locally, uh, the main kind of shows we do are when we get together with bands that we're friends with and friend bands that we like, and we try and put together like an all-out sort of extravaganza. And that's super fun because it's just good to get to hang out with people that you like. It's good to get to, to play with bands that you like and that you play well with together. It's super good for the fans. And don't think that we don't know it. I've said it forever. You put like... You know, like five bands on a bill for ten bucks that you like, you're getting two dollars a band. Like, good luck finding that absolutely anywhere else. Starting prices for uh, uh, Fallout Boy are like four hundred and fifty dollars for tickets, right? Like, this is significantly less than that. So, those are the main part of our shows, right? Like, you see that. Well, the last part, the last kind of show we play, I guess they're more opportunistic in nature. Uh, they're kind of fan building shows and we do these regionally as well as locally we'll take them every now and then where we take a band that we don't normally play with or have played with like rarely or occasionally especially if it's in a venue that's going to move us in front of like new people the reason we do this is because of what i just said like we need to play in front of new people from time to time because 
We do make fans. We make a lot of new fans online, on Spotify, even on YouTube and stuff. Most of them are not in a coming-to-see-us sort of area. So we rely on our fans that we make here. Not everybody that comes to a Rebel 9 show these days was somebody that came to a Rebel 9 show five years ago. The reason that is is because they're somebody that has seen us or heard us and lives within our going-to-show area and now comes to see us. And we are super grateful for those people. We love all of our fans and really appreciate every single one of them because we, unlike a lot of other bigger bands just understand what it actually takes to build a fan base like one two three five ten people at a time it's a lot of work it it matters it matters when somebody like hears you and likes you enough to become a fan like that that conversation that engagement that 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 changeover like that's everything and i used to joke like whenever we'd make a new fan it's like cool all I need now is another 999,999 fans and we'll be all set. And it's a joke in the sense that it's you know trying to be funny. It's not a joke in the sense that that's literally how the game works. We need to get in front of more and more and more people. Believe me, we always know who our core fans are. Always. There, there's never really a question who that is. So, like, we are trying to make new fans that want to come see us, that want to be part of that you know, kind of experience that enjoy what we do and what we have to offer. And in order to do that, we have to play in front of people that wouldn't normally go see us. It's sad, but the game really is to like, okay, let's try and trap and trick these people into seeing us play. I used to tell the story of a very good friend of mine, Steve Maz, who was arguably one of the biggest G Davy fans ever. Uh, actually saw us because we were playing a bar called Bartini in Babylon back in those days. And we set up, and Steve's more like an old rocker, and he told me this story a year after we met, saying how it's funny that he actually became, started to become a fan because he was at the bar, and we were setting up, and he was hella not interested in seeing what we had to offer. But he was too drunk to get up and leave, so he had to see our set. People think alcohol, nothing good comes of alcohol abuse. You're wrong, my friend. Life, lifelong G. Davy fan, Mr. Steve Matt. But that's what we're going to do. That was the plan for tomorrow. As a band, I was like kind of like heavy, like on the metal side. It's like, all right, we'll play a heavier set. We could probably win over some of that audience, get in front of them. It's good because it's, it's collaborative, too. Like some of our audience is going to stay late. Maybe they'll like them. So share the burden as the band we're playing with. Like I would not just hop on a show that was just all garbage. I just couldn't do it because I, I, I can't. I really I mean, unless unless we're going out of town and I don't really have a choice like that kind of happens. But like I would have turned this down if I thought they were just absolutely awful. But I think that there's some crossover, so I think that there's some value for us, you know, playing for this band and playing in front of people that like them may might actually like us. The downside is, is I had no control over the rest of the bill, and I have got to tell you, I, I'm not mortified, but I am definitely not sure what to expect tomorrow night. It is not going to be a all-in sandbox show. Like, make no mistake. <laughs> I am super grateful for the people that have already bought tickets and are said that they're coming because obviously if we can't do that, uh, we can't sell tickets, then we can't even have shows, we can't even have these opportunities. So thank you. We are going to play a really, really good set. In fact, my band was actually a little surprised at how good our set was. And I was too. Like It was just flowing like really good. It's a solid 40, 45-minute set. 
and it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. And that is going to come across, and we are going to we are going to you're you're going to be pleased by our set and our performance. So thank you so much for coming to see us. I do hope you find something else that you like in it. I'm just telling you flat out that it's going to be kind of different. And that brings me to what I was going to say is. What are we going to do going forward? Because honestly, I don't like doing these shows. But I knew I know it's necessarily important in order to expand the band and the brand. I would much rather play with like, you know, like our the, the normal cast of clowns that we play with. It's a much more fun show. Everybody thinks so. All the fans seem to think so. The venues seem to think so. But it's just not it's not doing enough because you know, I guess, I guess what would have to happen at that point is the fans would have to be like, "You've got to come see this show with me," and start dragging people, their friends, to the show. And now they're working for the band. Like, I, if you saw a model where that worked, I'd love to just like kind of help that along and see if we could do that. But that throws throws the responsibility on you, the fan. And honestly, I'm just grateful enough that you're coming to see us at all. I don't know that I could be like, "Oh, you only showed up with one person." Uh, all right, you know, I don't, I'm not in the mood to do that. So I just. I don't know what's better to do. Like, I know I know what's better for the sake of the show and the audience, but I'm going to tell you that if we cannot keep bringing fans, new fans into the mix, we won't be able to keep doing those old-style shows because there's, you know, people leave and people, you know, like, it, it, people exit more than they enter when we do shows, shows like that. Uh, no, that's not what I meant to say. People... For the show itself, people definitely come and stay and all that other stuff. What I'm saying is that that circle, people, there's a there's a bigger exodus from that circle than there is an entrance because the only people bringing people in at that point are the bands, and the bands can only reach the people that they're playing in front of. Well, if the people we're only playing in front of are already all fans, we're not bringing anybody new in. So it gets, gets tricky, and this is exactly the kind of conversation that's going on in my head for the past week, which totally, totally sucks. But the point is... We have to play these shows to to make sure that we have a brand and a, a band and a brand that can keep existing, that can stay viable. And again, like super gratitude to everybody that's bought tickets to come to this show. It has not been a lot of people, and that's disappointing. The rest of the band is not doing so great on tickets, although Kaz says he's probably at around 10, which is great. Uh, but we're going to do our best. And like I said, it's going to be a great show. So if people still want tickets, definitely hit me up. If you know people that want last-minute tickets, I definitely have plenty because we did not sell out. And I don't expect that I am going to sell out by tomorrow night. So hit me up, and we'll hook you up with some tickets and stuff if you want to go. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait till June to see us because I don't think we're playing again until then. And that's too bad. Uh, but at least we'll probably have some new music out by then. And you know who else has new music? The Used. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Now I know, generally speaking, that sound means that it's time for your weekly Craving of the Week with Craving Strange. But, did you also know that your weekly Craving of the Week could be any form or flavor or sidebar of Craving Strange? Yeah, it's true. We've played all kinds of Craving Strange adjacent songs over the years in this segment because it's your weekly craving, and it's like featuring Craving Strange, of course. But just like Johnny Carson used to have guest hosts and stuff like that, it's kind of like that. And I realize that's an old reference, but I was just watching the Zen Diaries of uh, Gary Shanling. He was talking about Johnny Carson. So, uh, it's not that I'm old. It's that I'm just watching something old. <laughs> So this week, in honor of the Twitch thing that I believe Bacon is my 
Passion is writing a new song. I figured I would just remind you what they sound like during this week's weekly Craving of the Week, with or without Craving Strange. It's every word you say from the Bimp Boys, which is definitely conjuring up an image of a younger group, but that's cool. I like it. can't believe it either and yet here we are and if you ask my bladder my bladder knew we were at the end of the hard rock lunchbox like like minutes many 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 minutes ago man so i'm gonna get on out of here but i'd be remiss if i did not play our request of the week i could not find a good time to play this song because it doesn't really fit in on this show or honestly any other show ever (laughs) 
So I figured instead of giving you something to dance your way out on and turn it off before it's done, I would give you this ridiculous song about cows to listen to on the way out. And then you can decide on your own whether or not you want to listen to it or not. Either way, I hope to see many of you good people tomorrow night, 89 North. Rebel Night is supposed to take the stage at 10 p.m. We are going to have an amazing set. I'm hoping everybody enjoys everybody else, too. But uh, they're new bands to us, so I guess we'll all check them out together and see how it goes. Like I said, it's our last show till like, June-ish, I think. So uh, if you want to see us, hit me up. We still have plenty of tickets. Whatever you do, do not let people buy tickets at the door. They are $25 at the door. Which, man, <laughs> just please don't. Just at least send me a message. I, I promise on all that is holy, I will save you money off of that price. And it is not... Just, just don't. Just, just message me first, please. And that's all I have to say on that. Otherwise, I will give you a full review. Probably not next Thursday, but we'll do this again probably at that time around. I'm thinking 12:02 in the afternoon next Thursday. Till then, have yourself a great weekend. And I'll see you next week on the box. Hard rock lunch box.